and Luke. We could create a whole world in the mind of the listener simply by using sound effects. Ron Wolfley. <laughs> Luke Lipinski. Huh. Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Hour number two of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios. It is Wolf and Luke as we are now turning the page on that Panthers win. Wolf and uh, heading towards a showdown with the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday. You know, we were out there on Monday as at Cardinals uh, at the training facility as we are every Monday, every big red Monday. We do the show out there and obviously we talk to Cliff Kingsbury every Monday and things were kind of getting moved around. Seems like maybe they're altering their practice schedules a little bit. We're going to get into that in a second. But I want to play this clip, Wolf, that uh, can we give K-Ray producer credit on this? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So K-Ray sent this to us <laughs> last do night. Do we know, is this is this a relatively new cut or is this old? I, I think it's 2017. Old. Okay, I, it's I 2017. 2017. Okay, yeah. 2017. But somehow, uh, but I hadn't seen this either. This is uh, Marshawn Lynch. Hopefully the ending is bleeped. This is Marshawn Lynch on the uh, football mentality. Okay, I just want to get your reaction. That's when it just clicked in my mind that if you just run through somebody's face, a lot of people ain't going to be able to take that over and 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 over again. They're just not going to want that. Think there's a deeper metaphor there? Run through a face. Then you don't have to worry about them no more. Oh my goodness. I honestly, I've talked so much football in my life, Basinonians. I've I've talked about the blood sport for years and my affection and affinity for the blood sport. And I've never been able to capture the essence of the game quite like Marshawn Lynch just did. <laughs> that is exactly what I'm talking about. Exactly. Nobody can ever say it better than what Beast Mode just said it right there. You couldn't say it better. I like the interviewer. You think there's a deeper meaning there? Yeah, run through a bleep's face and you won't have to deal with him again. I mean, honestly, did you hear what he said? My young crunk brothers that are out there listening right now, you want to play the game of football. You want to play it. You like playing the game of football. You like the contact. You need to listen to what he's saying. Yeah, let's play it again. We got it right here. Let's yeah, play it again. Listen, listen to this. That's when it just clicked in my mind that if you just run through somebody's face, a lot of people ain't going to be able to take that over and 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 over again. They're just not going to want that. Think there's a deeper metaphor there? Run through a face. Yeah. Then you don't have to worry about them no more. Run you know, it just first of all, I love where he he starts by saying it clicked in my mind because basically, only that's where it begins. It starts in the head. It's a thought that you wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa! Wait a minute here. You want to talk about a football epiphany? That's what Marshawn Lynch had. Wait a minute. This is this is how I'm going to do it. Because I'm just going to run through a mother's face. That's, over and over. That's what I'm going to do. 
and I'm just going to do it over and over. I like how he paused and was like, and over and over and, again. Right, exactly. But do you get his point, my young crunks? That's what the game is, the essence of a game. I'm just going to run a dude over. And over and over and over and do it every time. I'm going to get knocked down sometimes. He didn't say that. But I guarantee even Marshawn Lynch got jacked up and knocked down sometimes. And he got up and he did it again and again and again and again. Um, There is the game of football like we've never, ever. And it clicked in his mind. And you know where it went? It went into his heart, man. That's where it went. Into his soul. I like Marshawn a lot more now that he's not on the Seahawks. When he was just like carrying the Seahawks to the division every year. I mean, he was still, he's still so different that you can't help but like him a little bit. But now that he's not on the Seahawks, he's on, he's doing interviews like that. He was on Brooklyn Nine Nine. He's an actor now. It's uh, Marshawn Lynch is interesting because when he acts, it's just him. No, there's no doubt about it, man. I absolutely, I've always been a fan of Beast Mode. Um, Personally, I I don't listen. I I don't know who he is personally at all. Uh, I don't know what he's done. I, I, you know, we all have done stuff. I'm just saying. uh, Personally, I don't know him. Professionally, the way I think I know him, I love Marshawn Lynch and how he thinks. And Basinonians, this is exactly the mindset that I would love for the Arizona Cardinals as a team collectively to adopt. So, along those lines, Cliff Kingsbury said uh, earlier this week they are tinkering with practice, and, and they are. I mean, just from behind the scenes, seeing the schedule, and, you know, practice is going right now. Usually at this point in the show, Wolf, we're looking at, okay, who was out there, and we're getting ready for the injury report on a Wednesday. Well, they're practicing right now. They've moved stuff around. Here's Cliff. It's a month in, so you got enough sample size to know we probably got to do something different at this point, and so we'll uh, continue to, to tinker things with practice and, and how we start walkthroughs and practice and things that nature and then try to make sure that the first 10 or 15 plays have one that, that everybody are very confident in and, and can execute at a high level. Got to do something like this. Wolf, I was thinking about this uh, driving in today. It, it, when when people talk about the Cardinals and they say, boy, they just, they can't, they can't start. They start so slow. Or, 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 or you know, it's a similar conversation when you're like, boy, they just can't win at home. And and the conversation always tends to, to lean towards, well, you just don't have that sense of urgency to start a game or, or maybe they don't have that same us against the world mentality at home that they have on the road. If it were just that, it would have corrected itself by now because this has been going on for so long, especially the winning on the road every time and losing at home every time. There's more to it than guys just not showing up ready to play. Yes. Because at a certain point, they would be so embarrassed that they're starting games this slowly or that they can't win at home that they would have almost too much of a sense of urgency. So there's got to be more to it. So I'm at least encouraged the Cardinals are moving stuff around behind the scenes. Yeah, you know, man, this is such a difficult thing for me to talk about because it's not like... It's not like I ever played for a team where we were rolling, you know what I mean? Where it was just, we're killing people and, and we're winning 12 games every season. Yeah. I don't know what that is like, Basinonians. I don't. But Luke, um, the not playing well at home thing is just mind numbing to me. And I'm not sure anything you're going to do in practice is going to fix it. But at least I'm going to try to do something. But you could do something in practice to fix the slow starts, right? I mean, that is something what? you should. I, I don't know what, but you have to. You have to come out 
and start the game like you've almost been playing for a little bit. And and, and we've See, seen that's other a teams mentality. do it. That's a mentality to me, man. Once again, that's something that somebody somebody is yelling about all week long. And suddenly there's two people, and then there's four, and then there's eight, and then it's 16, and then there's 32 yelling about it all week long, and then going out and actually doing something about it while they play. I I don't know how else to change that, starting fast. You, you can't, I mean, look, um, you can't go out there and, and guarantee you're going to play well. Yeah, you know, you, you hear this. Uh, you hear this all the time from a lot of talk show hosts. You just will yourself to play well. You're talking about some of the strongest dudes on the face of the planet that are playing inside the National Football League, and they can't will themselves to do it every game. So if they can't do it, um, you're going to have some problems. You're going to start slowly from time to time. That's the problem. You can't guarantee you're going to play well. well you can guarantee you're going to be ready, but you can't guarantee it's going to go well. The, the, the guy on the other side of the, the ball is obviously trying to will himself to play well Correct. as well. But that, as, as I think, is the most concerning for Cardinals fans is the Cardinals haven't looked ready to start these games. It would be like, Wolf, if we started this show and in the first segment we were learning the alphabet. To get ready, and then by like the third segment, we started talking. For whatever reason, the Cardinals haven't looked right at the start of these games, and that I think is is you at least got to try and fix it. It sounds like Cliff is trying to fix it and trying something different. He just said what you typically say: "Okay, we've got four games now of a sample size, and clearly we need to change something. Do something, do anything, just to see if it changes it." Uh, we come back back to basketball. Is Devin Booker finally getting the respect Suns fans believe he has deserved for a while? It sounds like it. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on ninety-eight seven FM. Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Hi, welcome back to the show. It is Wolf and Luke on a Wednesday morning, two weeks away from the start of the NBA season, just a few hours away from Suns, Lakers, and Vegas preseason. And, uh, Wolf, this has been a talking point for Suns fans, man, since, what, year two of Devin Booker's career? That he doesn't get the respect nationally that he deserves? Yeah. And obviously his... It's been a long time. His, his, his abilities and his accomplishments have gone up since year two, but, you know, the respect level and, and the bar that, that should clear in a lot of people's minds has gone up. Um, Suddenly the bubble happened. It really, that was the that, turning point, that wasn't was, it? It was. Think about it, man. It was the bubble. And suddenly, Devin Booker was hitting game-winning shots and going to the floor. Um, and the rest of the nation actually saw that because of the bubble. That really was like the biggest turning point because... I made this joke back then. You know, 2020 didn't go very well for a lot of people, but Devin Booker just continued to to raise his his profile nationally. And then, obviously, you get to the uh, the following season, and the Suns are in the NBA Finals. And last year, he was he was huge, and they won 64 games. Now he's on the cover of 2K, and we've got this. Well, if we saw him on the ESPN list of the top 100 players, he was number 10. The uh, NBA put out a, a GM survey. Okay, so this is the NBA's decision makers responding to 50 different questions. It's, a, it's an annual thing, all right? 
There's a lot of different questions. These on are here. GMs. These are the GMs around the league. Yes. <sighs> okay. Um, like, okay, which team will win the NBA Finals this year? Milwaukee is uh, 43% of the vote. Okay. All Golden right. State 25. Well, the Suns didn't even get a vote. Um, okay, but that's that's not what I'm looking for, though. So you start to go down, and they <laughs> you were just I'm just giving you a you were distracted right there. Okay. Um, like which one player acquisition will make the biggest impact? Donovan Mitchell, fifty nine percent. Okay, but now you get down to who are the best players at each position? Who's the best? Who's the most versatile defender in the NBA? Giannis. Uh, who's the best defensive team in the NBA? Boston. How about this? Who's the best shooting guard in the National Basketball Association? I'm going to count up from number three. Listen to the names on this list. Okay. okay. And th- again, this is not like Phoenix Suns blogger. Right. Com. Oh, right. This is NBA GMs. Okay. Yes. So who is the best shooting guard in the NBA? Last year, James Harden won. Okay. This year, the also receiving votes, Bradley Beal, James Harden, Jason Tatum. Third place, Steph Curry, 17%. <laughs> He's pretty good. He's pretty good shooting guard. Second second place, and feel free to link to this every time a a Mavericks fan uh, harasses you if you're a Suns fan on Twitter. Luca, 28%. No way. According to the NBA GMs, the best shooting guard in the NBA right now, 45% of the vote is Devin Booker. Oh, wow, that is so cool. Um, Okay, my. See the shots that I took, wet like a book. Um, give that to me one more vote. time, all right? <laughs> See the shots that I took, wet like on book. Um, <laughs> you know the love I have for Devin Booker, seriously, right now. This is this is so great. I love to see this happening for Devin Booker. One of the reasons why I think they voted him. Um, number one in the NBA, and I'm talking about the general managers, is because of his work on the defensive end of the floor and how much better he's got as a defensive player yeah, as well. He's more complete now. Not just, not just his ability to score the basketball, but actually be a complete player and the smoldering leader that he is. You know, the the players around the league, and so I'm assuming the GMs as well, have long respected Devin Booker yep. more so than I think national media or certainly other fan bases. That really seems to be where it is. Fans fans of other teams don't seem to understand just quite how good Devin Booker is. But again, this is the NBA GMs right now saying basically saying you'd rather have Booker than Luka or Steph Curry. Right now. Yes. Uh, Here's the best part about this before you play another cut. The best part about this, you think it's going to change Devin Booker? Well, here's the cut then. Here's Devin Booker. He was asked about this, uh, being named the best shooting guard in the NBA by the GMs who run the NBA. It's an honor, but, you know, it's hard. We all know that basketball is positionless at this point, so it's kind of hard to go one, two, three, four, five when you have ball-dominant guys that make plays every time down, people that have usage rates out this world, but it might be a LeBron or a Giannis that play a three or four. You don't know what to call it. So, you know, it's definitely an honor. Um, Long way from where I started, but, you know, I I don't pay attention to it. We got to win some games. Man, okay. Got to win some games. Just want to hug D-Book right now. Just hug him, dude. He started referencing positionless basketball and usage rates. Yes, I know. And and not only that, too, just, you know, it's an honor. (laughs) Of course. Thank you. It's an honor, bud. 
we got to win some games. Yeah, uh, you know, that is an <laughs> important part. I, I, I don't like it when, when you have like, okay, hey, Devin, uh, look at this. The GMs just voted you the best shooting guard in the world. Yeah, I don't care about that. Like, okay, how about it is an honor? Because it is. This is the GMs. This it is, is not a blog. But it's not the most important thing by any means. But I, I do think this is something, I don't think it, I know it. That's it's, it's a long time coming for Suns fans. Because now, this guy that has played through the dark years here and never asked out, even though people assumed he was going to, yeah. never asked out, stuck with it. Now he is on the cover of 2K, and he's being you know, he's considered a top 10 player by the ESPN votes, and he is the best shooting guard in the NBA, according to the GMs in the NBA. That's crazy. And that's why when Maloney uh, thankfully got me the list, too, so I could just see who else they considered right. in that, because he's right. It is sort of positionless basketball. Who else are you going to consider in that spot? Number two, Luca. Number three, Steph, yes. with a combined vote total as much as Booker had for number one. And once again, um, what really separates them? Okay, Devin Booker, he, he's, he's a guy that can score the basketball. Well, let's see. Steph Curry. Can he score the basketball? He can score the basketball. Uh, Yeah. And Luka Doncic. Yeah, he's pretty good, too. Um, He also is a facilitator as well. Um, It's really the defensive end of the floor. Those three guys where Devin Booker has separated himself a little bit. And I'm wondering how much that really influenced these general managers that did vote for him as the best shooting guard in the league. I just the best part about this story is the fact I don't think it's going to change Devin Booker in the least. Do you know how hard that is? It's not going to change. Do you know how hard that is not to let that change you? Based on only you got to have your guard up. You got to have your guard up when when suddenly you're good and you know you're good and you know you're talented. You better have a modicum of humility about you, or it will destroy you. Heed my words and hear them well right now. Success. Don't fear failure in anything that you do. Fear success because success can change you. Isn't that right, Grand Hills mom? That's what Grand Hills mom told us. What's that's the greatest quote in the history of man? I think her name is Janet. Don't hold me to that, but I think it's Janet. Janet Hill. Janet Hill. Okay. She said that. Yeah. Don't don't fear failure. Oh, I love it. Mom, this is mom's advice. Don't fear failure. Fear success. Well, it seemed to work out pretty well for Grant Hill. He had a pretty good career. Yeah, and I'm just, this is what's great about Devin Booker. Ain't going to change him. I don't think it's going to change him in the least. Just smolder on, big guy. Smolder on. Uh, Just because I did scroll down, who's the best small forward in the NBA? Kevin Durant, 45% of the vote. (laughs) Just putting that out there. Okay. If you wanted to have both of them on the same team. Yeah. Yeah. Not opening that again. You know, I'm over it, man. I am too. I'm I over honestly, it. I, I, I seriously am, am done. I, I, and I think as a team, I think if if Da responds well and takes whatever they need the next step to be in the first half of the season. Yeah. I mean, to me, you're not going to see it until the playoffs. But whatever they're looking for internally, I think they probably stick with Da. You and I were talking about this off the air. If if something goes sideways and, and Da doesn't respond well, and he's yeah, you know, I know I need the coach to talk to me differently, or I need this or that, or you know I got paid, but I don't like the way I got paid. Well, then you can trade him <laughs> mid to late January, and he probably would want to be traded at that point. Yes, but I do think their approach right now, Wolf, is this is our team, and like let's go for it with this team, and I will feel better about that personally when they go for it by adding somebody else to the bench. Yep, but that's. That's uh, 
you got a little bit of time to do that, I guess. Uh, all right. So when we come out, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Up next, what will Wolf be watching when the Cardinals take the field against the Eagles on Sunday? It is the Wednesday edition of What Will Wolf Watch next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. What will Wolf watch? Destiny and control. The Cardinals have to control their own destiny or allow the Philadelphia Eagles to pick them from the air like a falcon on a finch. The Eagles are elite in so many facets of football. Their offense can throw it with the best of them, and they run the ball better than 95% of the universe. They score points and don't allow the other team to score. They take the ball from the other team's quarterback and protect the ball when they have it. This is a team that is better than their opponents in so many ways. So many ways, but one. The Eagles have a hard time stopping the run. They have a pass rusher that gets upfield. They actually have a lot of pass rushers that get upfield. They have linebackers that are light and athletic and run to the ball. They have a secondary that is more jersey jockeys than tackle machines. Big Red needs to find their identity in the blood red trenches of State Farm Stadium or hoist the white colors of capitulation. Plato said, human behavior flows from three main sources, desire, emotion, and knowledge. I never thought I'd say this, but Plato could have coached. The Cardinals need to develop the desire to physically embarrass their opponents by running the ball down their team's windpipe. Kyler Murray needs to understand the power of power football and embrace the nastiness of a James Conner stiff arm and a Daryl Williams dirt dump. Cliff needs to help Kyler see the benefits of running into a pile occupied by his offensive line. A pile so thick and nasty, only butt guts understand the beauty thereof. The desire to physically whip the man that lines up over you permeates the soul, takes over the spirit, and leads to bloody knuckles and bloody mouths. George R.R. Martin said, when you know what a man wants, you know who he is and how to move him. The Cardinals need to know who they are and declare where they want to go. They need to allow the emotion of force-feeding defenses to consume their efforts and observe the impact it has on hyper-aggressive alpha males standing on the sideline. A vow under moon, sun, and sky rings hollow in the locker room unless the plow makes an appearance. The Eagles fear the plow. They are number 25 in rushing yards per play allowed, yielding over five yards per carry. And although teams have had success running the ball against them, their opponents have only 80 rushing attempts in four games. Only the Kansas City Chiefs average fewer rushing attempts against. Yeah, the Eagles offense is in the same category as the Chiefs, but it's the Eagles box that has betrayed them. Philadelphia runs a 3-3 much of the time and occasionally walks a safety into the box when the offense goes heavy personnel. They like to cover the interior three offensive linemen with defensive linemen. Put two linebackers like Hassan Reddick on the edge and stack TJ Edwards over the solid front. Buddy Ryan would be so proud. 
I don't know if Michelangelo would have liked Buddy Ryan, but he did say, Lord, grant that I may always desire more than I can accomplish. The Eagles hope to accomplish gap integrity, stuffing the run, but the way they're doing it hasn't always worked. Their desire doesn't fit the reality. Big Red's reality is clear and their knowledge complete. Run the ball, even if they get down. Attack the edges with power schemes and zone schemes from 11 personnel. Yeah, that's what I said, 11 personnel. 11 personnel will make the Eagles somewhat predictable inside the box. And predictable becomes controllable. And the Cardinals need control in this game if they wish to be in this game. After all, as the saying goes, control your own destiny or someone else will do it for you. All right, I'll give you credit for hitting the post like that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> this has to be the most proud you've ever been of yourself. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No! Oh, man, that was a challenge, Mason Onis. That was. I'm sorry. Right now, that was way down before that. that. Actually, I'm done right now. Seriously. <laughs> Drop the mic. All right. Max will come in in a little bit. Did you oh, suggest Plato as, a, as, a, as an NFL coach in there? Did I hear that? Yeah. I you know like what? Honestly. Pete Carroll would have him on his staff as like an assistant or something. Can you imagine that? You know, he's, honestly, I wonder if he could have been a baller. Thank you, buddy. You know, Plato. You know, what did he do? He just sat around all day and thought about stuff. I mean, I tell you what, he would blend the old with the new. (laughs) I don't know how well he would have known football, but he would have blended the old with the new. (laughs) I love that, though. Human behavior flows from three main sources desire, emotion, and knowledge. Interesting, Plato. Uh, the last thing you said right there, though, is is so apropos for this game and what the Eagles have done this season. Fourth in the NFL in points per game behind only Baltimore. Would you say Baltimore's pretty good? Well, I'm turning into you. Let's see. Baltimore. Baltimore's pretty yes, good. I would say so, yes. Uh, the Chiefs offense, that's pretty good. Uh, still pretty good, still. And, and this is... This is the anomaly. Detroit is leading the NFL in yards and points per game. But uh, set them aside for a second. Their problems seem to be on defense. The Eagles are very good offensively, really good defensively. And and as you said right there at the the very end, if you don't take control of this game early, then you're just watching Philadelphia for the rest of the game. This is not Carolina. This is not even Vegas, who for whatever reason can't seem to close out games. You can go out there and and deliver that performance that I think I think it was Bickley I heard this morning was basically so bad you started to question if you should just maybe go outside and stop watching the game the first half on Sunday. Um, you can't do that against Philadelphia, or you'll just be watching Philadelphia in the second half. See, you know, this is um, you hear me say this all the time. You've got to be whatever you need to be in order to beat another team, right? I mean, it's it's the brilliance of Bill Belichick. It's one of the reasons why Bill Belichick, okay, um, if we need to spread the field and we need to throw the ball because your secondary is awful, that's what we're going to do. He's not dogmatic about any one way of playing football. Um, okay, if we need to run the ball because your box is awful, your front seven can't stop any, well, that's what we're going to do. We're going to line up and we're going to bash you in the face because you're not a physical front. You don't have a physical front. And that's how we're going to beat you. He's big on all of that. So he's got to get players that aren't just one-dimensional. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, multi-dimensional players is what he's looking for. Versatility, you got versatility. Have that. yeah. That's what he wants. So you can be whatever you need to be to beat the opposing team. This is the classic game that I'm talking about, Basin audience. This game. This is exactly why. Oh, wait a minute, boy. The the Eagles. When you watch them on tape, <laughs> their offense looks pretty good. They can run it. and They can throw it, Luke. Yeah. Here's the thing. The defense looks really, really good. You're going to throw it against that defense, you're going to have trouble because they can cover really, really well, and they can get to the quarterback really well. What's the one thing you better be able to do to beat the Eagles? Run the ball. What they can do, you should be able to do on offense, though. Setting aside the fact that, hey, why is their defense so good? Well, for a, a variety of reasons, one of them being a guy you took in the first round a few years ago in Hassan Reddick. Set that aside for a second. Philadelphia getting rich off your draft pick. On offense, everything you're saying about the Eagles, how they got a quarterback that can throw and run, and Jalen Hurts, they've got really good. They went out and added A.J. Brown on top of already having Devontae Smith. They can run the ball. Well, all of these things are things the Cardinals should be able to do, too. Like, if Jalen Hurts goes out there and outplays Kyler Murray, yes, Jalen has been better this year. But for the last two years, Kyler Murray was the better quarterback. I'm going to view that as Jalen Hurts out Kyler and Kyler. And Kyler should view it that way, too. He should be the better quarterback on Sunday. I get that Jalen Hurts has been better this season. But everything Philadelphia does on offense, the Cardinals should be able to do. But they haven't been doing any of it. Yeah. Um, they just haven't been able to line up and be physical as well, running the ball. And I think that's how you beat the Eagles. That's how you beat them. Well, we'll we, always, we always joke they've got five running backs. They've got three that are playing that can be physical. I mean, Eno's the change of pace guy, but he's still physical. Hey, the second half of the Raiders game and the second half of the Panthers game, they were physical, they ran the ball, they stayed that way. Do it now for a whole game. We come back. What's next for the D-backs as they wrap up their season today against the Brewers? We're going to ask their assistant GM, Mike Fitzgerald. He will join us next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Diamondbacks front office focus with Wolf and Luke. Presented by Gettle Air Conditioning and Plumbing. G-O-E-T-T-L. It'll keep you cool, but it's hard to spell. Gettle.com. At D-backs in Milwaukee. Game starts in about an hour and a half, and that is, of course, the season finale for the 2022 D-backs. Wolf, Merrill Kelly on the mound against Corbin Burns. Pretty good pitching matchup to close out the, uh, the season. Indeed. D-backs looking to uh, to win the final game of the season, get the 74 wins, which would uh, make me the big winner on this show, actually. Joining us right now on the uh, Arizona Sports Line is D-backs assistant GM Mike Fitzgerald. Mike, thank you for the time. How uh, how, how do you approach the end of the regular season? Um, I think we try to take a holistic view, and it, it can kind of be easy to get caught up in the more recent trends, but we kind of want to figure out where our feet are at, um, what are the things that, that we're buying going into next year uh, being sustainable, what, what are the areas of focus that we got to lock in on. Um, I think the big one that everybody feels right now uh, is, is being able to, to close leads late in games and, and converting those into Ws. Um, so, you know, we, we got 46 games this year where unfortunately we were no worse than tied in the sixth inning or later and, and ended up taking a loss in those games. And so I think the general feeling around the group is we left a lot of chips on the table and we got to figure out ways moving forward in 2023 to, to clean that up. And big part of that's going to fall in the bullpen. Um, big part of that's going to be on offensive, finding extended runs to turn 3-1 games into 4-1, 5-1 games. Um, 
and and, and just find a way to, to tally up those those games in the win column so that 365 days from now we're uh, we're getting back to you know being in a spot that we want to be in. Mike, on that note right there, what do you think right now? What do you think is sustainable for this team going forward? I think the offensive identity has started to kind of come into play. I know we talked about that a few weeks ago. Um, the athleticism that we're putting out there on an early basis from a defensive uh, perspective is, is showing up on the bases as well. Um, I think we were one of the top base running teams in the league this year, and that can, these are going to need to continue to be part of our, our identity moving forward. Um, I think the quality of at-bats that we put together with this group that we have now that's been together for pretty much the second half of the season um, has been encouraging. And at the same time, there's still been some growing pains there in terms of having some nights, you know, like last night, um, where we, we you know, have, don't have much to show for it. But I, I think the, the offensive identity being athletic, uh, lengthening lineups, we've done a good job of that against right-handed pitching. We definitely need to lock in and doing a better job of that against left-handed pitching. Um, but, yeah, I think the, the athleticism and the lengthening of lineups should be sustainable for us moving forward. And then on the pitching side of the ball, obviously, Merrill and Gallon having the seasons they had, uh, needing them to continue to be leaders in that rotation heading into next year, um, and then having some of that, youthful pitching come up and, and fill in uh, the open roles within the squad and, and find ways to help us continue to push forward. Talking to uh, D-backs assistant GM Mike Fitzgerald. Mike, you mentioned the bullpen, um, and obviously that's a priority this offseason. It is also something you guys did address last offseason. I mean, you went out and got a guy, and Mark Melanson, it's not all him, but I mean, you, you went out and got a guy that, that had great numbers. Is that just by nature a difficult part to, uh, of, a, of a baseball roster to predict from year to year? Yeah, I think... It's probably one of the more difficult areas when you're talking about guys getting 60 innings uh, on a full season. You can you can see some pretty significant variability from year to year. Um, but we also got to be honest with ourselves in terms of how we've tried to approach solving that problem. So um, we've we've targeted kind of a free agent pool, and, and yes, we upgraded on the free agent pool that we went after in the more recent years. Um, but you know we need to we need to kind of put all hands on deck in terms of diving into the strong bullpens out across the league and how they're built and ways in which they look to maximize uh, the different types of looks that you can have in a pen and trying to managing, finding guys that have the heartbeat to be able to take those later inning roles when, when those final outs inevitably seem to get a little bit tougher for everybody. Um, but then also having enough matchup ability and, and different differencing skill sets in the bullpen to, um, be able to look at a Dodgers and a Padres lineup and say, okay, for this pocket of hitters, here's what we feel pretty good about um, rolling these guys out there and, and maximizing the chances of getting three outs before anybody touches home plate. So, yeah, I think we'll continue to canvas the free agent market, um, and then I think we'll also look for other avenues in which we can try to upgrade this group as well. Mike, so much of playing in the game of football is about the culture of a team, and I think to a large extent the NBA would probably say the same thing. Forgive me if I've actually asked you this before, but is there a culture that you believe is important to to um, build inside of this clubhouse? Is it there, and do you think you should build culture inside the clubhouse? A thousand percent buy into culture being a very impactful thing, uh, even in our game, where it's kind of a 
typically described as the series of one-on-one matchups, and so maybe it's perceived to be less important. Um, but no, I definitely think it's of massive importance in, within a clubhouse, um, and I think we are growing in that direction. Do we have that ideal culture for um, what we would all draw up on paper for what we'd look for? I don't think we're quite there yet, um, but we are moving in the direction. Um, our, our game's tricky in, in the sense that we don't really get a ton of practice time, right? You, right. In some ways, it's, it's beneficial. Um, you, you, you deal with a crappy loss you can shower it off and and jump back in the next day um but there's times where you almost wish you could call a timeout and say hold on let's evaluate where we're at right now maybe we need to address some things from a practice standpoint so we can clean that up the next time we go into competition um so i think the biggest part of culture is is guys uh being relentless and developing their work habits and i think we are moving in a positive direction that area we still have some, some room to grow um and then the other part of that culture that I think we, we talk about a decent amount is, is expectations and um, and the expectation to win. Um, I, I think we're growing into that now. I think uh, the, the loss the other night, we come in, there's a group of guys there that are noticeably frustrated and feeling like we left chips on the table. Yeah. Um, you, you want that to be the collective mentality. That By and large, that has been the theme of this year. We have left chips on the table. And so you want guys to be frustrated by that. Um, You don't want it to linger and carry into the next day. You want there to be a turning of the page. But, you you know, you want want to mean something. Um, And you want that care factor to be high. And I do feel like, by and large, we have a majority of guys here uh, that are wired that way. Talking to D-backs assistant GM Mike Fitzgerald, uh, Mike's spring training next year. I know that's, you know, it's what, three, four, five months away. But considering what you have seen from the young guys on this team, particularly in the outfield where you you almost have an overabundance of them, it feels like we're coming up on one of the more uh, competitive D-backs spring trainings we've had in recent memory. For sure, for sure. And competitiveness breeds excellence. So um, we're looking for these guys to push each other. A lot of the younger guys have been pushing each other all throughout their time in the minor leagues. Um, We want that same crop of young pitching to be able to do the same and and both help each other out and pull for each other, but but want to one-up your brother. Uh, from night to night as well. You know, I, th- I think that's a healthy competitiveness and can be beneficial in that area. Um, so we're excited for this group. At the same time, you know, this isn't just, hey, let's pack up the bags and put the balls and gloves and bats away and, and we'll see you in spring training. we got we got four, four and a half, five months for these guys to really dive in, um, address the areas of weaknesses that, that they want to improve on with a, with a targeted approach um, and make sure that we're, we're showing up Next middle of next February uh, as improved and further developed players and not just the same guys that we are here on October 5th. So Mike, when you guys are sitting around the big rectangle and you're talking about your team, you're talking about individual yeah. players, is there one guy, is there, is there one guy that you said, man, I did not see that coming? And if so, who is that one guy? Yeah, um... <laughs> It's tough because coming off of last year, everybody's kind of anchored uh, with that, that rough year we had collectively. Um, the, the two guys that probably had the most impressive jumps from last year to this year uh, that were relatively under the radar names are probably Merrill and Walker. Mm. Um, but I do think there was conviction you know, within this coaching staff group, within this baseball support staff group, uh, that, that saw those guys having the capability to go out and put the years that they did. And, and credit to them for addressing the areas that, that they wanted to clean up in the offseason and kind of the topic we were just talking about. I think those two guys are really good examples of guys that um, really got the most out of those four months of downtime mm. uh, to kind of step out of the competitive space but but dive into what are the tools that they need to add to their tool belt to get to where they want to go from a performance standpoint. I think both those guys did that, um, and I hope that 
a year from now we're able to say that, that we got more than just those two guys that really dove into that and, and took massive steps forward. Mike, you mentioned uh, before, you know, the the competition of guys that, that have played together in the minors pushing each other here at the major league level. How, how much of a point of emphasis was that and is that for you guys to not only get some of these prospects, but then to let them develop together at each level as they come up? It's a balance that we try to strike where you, you want to treat each player individually and make sure that the appropriate challenges that you think they need to get to where they want to be from a major league standpoint, uh, that they're getting those in a timely fashion. But at the same time, going back to the culture discussion that we were having, if that's something that we believe in, which it is, and, and we want to find ways to develop that strongly, um, part of that is, is getting these guys to be able to play together more consistently. Um, and so it's, it's a balance that we try to strike where we want to make sure that each player's on their individualized path to maximize their success. Um, but then we also know that there's there's massive value when guys are coming up. I think Stone Garrett made the comment publicly, we might have talked about this last time, um, that somebody was asking him, you know, hey, what were the nerves like for your big league debut? And he's like, they were definitely there. But then I kind of looked around the clubhouse and was like, oh, you know what? I've, I've played with eight or nine of these guys for a, a decent amount of time, and it kind of brings um, a level of comfort, right? So comfort, we never want comfort to turn into complacency, um, but when comfort turns into, all right, I feel like, I belong here and I have an opportunity to help this team win. We think that that good benefits can come from that. So, Mike, what is the next box you and the front office have got to check going forward? What is that box? I, I think it's it's bullpen. Uh, that's the biggest puzzle that we've not done a great job of solving. Um, and so we, we need to find a better way to do that. And I think the encouraging thing is the way this team's set up, there's significant opportunity um, for us to f- – if, if our ability to solve that puzzle of converting late game leads into W's uh, will will translate into wins given the rate at which we're building leads here with this group that we have based on the starting pitching and the and the lineup that we're putting together. So I think that's the biggest area. Um, we need to get creative. Uh, we need to be honest and acknowledge the areas where we've missed on this before and, and make sure that we can make good strategic bets moving forward and, and round this group up so that this time next year uh, we're not sitting there having a conversation about you know the the moral victories and the feeling good about last year, but we're we're actually talking about playoff competition and, and tasting champagne again. Mike, we appreciate the time as always. Thank Love you. Love talking right. to you, Mike. Thanks, guys. Take care. That's uh, D-backs assistant GM Mike Fitzgerald joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. And yeah, D-backs uh, got one more game coming up here in a little over an hour. We come back. We'll take you through the top sports stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.